This is Bible Talk with Steve, where we discuss the Bible, theology, and answer your questions. Now here's our host, Steve Turin. Welcome to Season 3 of Bible Talk with Steve. This is our first episode of Season 3. Season 3 is going to be dedicated to combating false doctrine. Uh, in this episode, we're going to learn what is doctrine, what is the meaning of doctrine, and how doctrine is important. But before we begin, let's let's say a prayer. Hallelujah, model Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord, for this episode, for this brand new season, Lord. I pray that you take control of everything, Lord, that you would guide me as I come and I share your word, Father God. I pray that you would bless the listeners, that this message would fall on receptive hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, I pray that no words come from me, but that they would only be your words, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take control, that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So a lot of times we hear the word doctrine and we don't know what it means. Um, Doctrine is simple. It's not something fancy. It just means teaching. So when you hear the word doctrine, it doesn't mean everything rolled into one it could mean the doctrine of Jesus the doctrine of the Holy Spirit the doctrine of salvation the doctrine of baptism there's many doctrines and you need to be careful because one good doctrine and one bad doctrine corrupts everything because scripture tells us that bad company corrupts good morals and there's a saying it's a quote and you guys know I love my quotes that one bad apple ruins the whole batch. So we need to be careful that one bad apple, one bad doctrine, doesn't spoil the rest of what might be good doctrine that we listen to, that we have in our hearts. See, the word doctrine comes from the Latin word dossier, which means teach, and we get the word doctor from the Latin meaning teacher and doctrina meaning teacher or learning and that's how we get the English word doctrine from those three Latin words. So all doctrine is from this Bible. Everything that you need for life and godliness is in the Word of God. There's nowhere else to get doctrine from other than in the Bible. If doctrine comes from someone's interpretation or someone's understanding or someone's vision or someone's dream, throw it away. If the doctrine says it's from the Bible, sometimes people will pick and choose verses out of scripture to create a doctrine and that is wrong. That is not how it works. You need to go by the context of the scripture and scripture will interpret scripture. So if something is hard to understand, our own interpretation should not come to a conclusion. We should search for another scripture that explains that scripture to us. Our first text is going to be here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 16. I'm going to read from my screen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be cursed. As we have said to you before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be cursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. The gospel is not always something that is understood by human beings. It's not something that makes sense. It's something that goes contrary to the ideas of men because it comes from God. Maybe we have the correct gospel and sometimes we hear things that get us confused. This is what Paul had to say about that in Galatians 3, 1 through 3 and 10 through 14. O you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Christ Jesus was crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul is asking a question. Are you being perfected because of what you do or because of what Christ did? How could you be so foolish? Who's put a spell on you that confused you so much? that you no longer believe that you're perfected only by Christ and not by your own good works. And then again in Galatians 3, 1 through 3, we see this. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who was hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. A lot of people think that the promise of Abraham is to have children. That's not the case. The promise of Abraham is that we would be saved and we would be friends with God, that we would have a relationship with God, that we would be reconciled to God. This is the promise to Abraham, that we would be called children of God. One false doctrine is believing that we are saved by the law. We can't save ourselves or keep ourselves saved. Grace is better than the law. Romans 8, 1 through 15. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God does dwell in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Under law, we are slaves. We are unimportant. We mean nothing to God. But as sons, we have full access to God. We are his children. We have access to his promises. We have eternal life in Christ. We are heirs with Christ in eternal life. Before being saved, we were slaves to sin. Just because we have grace doesn't mean that we have permission to sin freely, however. Romans 6, 1 through 23. The whole chapter. Romans chapter 6 tells us in many ways that we are free from the law, but we are not free to sin because we now are slaves to Christ instead of slaves to sin. Verse 15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we were not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So we see that the law doesn't save, only grace saves. There are some who say, well, we're saved only by faith. There are some who say we're saved only by works. But the truth is that true doctrine is always faith alone, but it's never works alone. And it's never faith plus works. It's only faith resulting in works. When you have faith, you will show good works through Christ. What those good works are varies from person to person. It's very silly for me to sit here and list things that you should do because the Spirit will tell you how to live your life. I can't tell you how to live your life. But regeneration from the Holy Spirit will slowly change a true believer.
James 2.26 tells us, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So that tells us because faith and works need to go together. The same way that the body is alive because it has a spirit, so faith is alive because it has works. But works cannot save. Matthew 7, 22 through 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I, Jesus, will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 about the talents. The master leaves town and gives to his servants several talents. He gives to one five, to one ten, to one one. And he tells them, do with these what you could, and I will return. The one with the five turns it into ten. The one with the ten turns it into twenty. The one with the one takes his, his money and buries it in the dirt and does nothing with it. So when his master returns, this is what happens. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have no seed, and cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The person who takes what Christ has done and uses it for the glory of God is a good servant. The person who takes what God has done, the sacrifice of Jesus, and it means nothing to him, and he lives his life thinking, well, Jesus died for me, that's all I need to know. That person is in danger. That person may not be a true believer. This person thought he was safe because he had the gift in front of him, but he did nothing with that gift. That gift sat in the corner. It wasn't part of his daily life. It wasn't part of who he is. He had no faith to activate that work that he needed to do. Now, I'm not saying that you need to do something to be saved, but your faith and your salvation will generate good deeds. So you need to look at your own self, not look at others, but look at your own self and think, am I truly in the faith? Paul's doctrine is anything about Christ that is not in Scripture. Galatians 1.8 tells us this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Anything that is not found in the Bible is not to be believed. If you don't believe me, look it up yourselves. I'm begging of you to look it up yourselves. Because everything I say might be a lie. Everything I say might be wrong. I'm only human. Even if I want to tell you the complete truth, I might make a mistake. So I'm begging you, read your own Bible and find out for yourselves what is true and what is false. There's no such thing as a secret outside of the Bible. There's no such thing as a personal revelation. All that could be said to man about life and salvation is written in the Word of God. 
Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, 1 through 2 tells us, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, the word, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. John tells us because he is the word. Hebrews tells us because he has spoken to us in these last days. 2 Peter 1.3 tells us, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. This is all that we need. There's no other way for us to know the truth other than to read the Bible. There's all kinds of crazy things going around out there. People say that Jesus is Satan's brother, that he fainted on the cross, he didn't die. Uh, that he lied about who he was, that he never said he was God, that he turned down worship, uh, that he was chastised for believing that he should be worshipped. But this is not true. The Holy Spirit will remind us, John 14 tells us, of everything Jesus taught us. And we can't be reminded of something that we don't know. So the only way to know your doctrine is to read your Bible. Read the words of Jesus and understand that what Jesus said is true in his doctrine. God bless you. I hope uh, I was clear. I hope there's no confusion. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you could DM me, call me, email me, fax me. Get in touch with me any way you like. God bless you. Until next week, stay steady. Thank you and God bless you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to submit a question, please leave a comment below or send a direct message to Bible Talk with Steve on Instagram. Until next week, stay studied.